kid. Perry, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's play ball. So you just released a book called Reaching Home Plate. Can you tell us the backstory on what motivated you to write a book at such an early age? Yes. So I was in my sports psychology class in my freshman year of college. And I had this professor, his name was Dr. Rob Gilbert. And I'll probably mention him a lot today because he's an inspiration to me. And I remember it was the first day of classes and he said to the class, mind you, I'm, you know, I'm 19 years old. And he goes, I'm going to inspire you to write a book or break a world record. This is the first day of classes. So I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I'm 19 years old. I'm absolutely not writing a book. I'm definitely not breaking a world record. Please stop. I was like, stop talking because I just didn't want to listen. I didn't want to hear that. So what happened was he would consistently say it over and over and over again in class. In time, I was like, you know what? Maybe this writing a book thing is an idea that I can take. So I had three ideas with the book. It was getting recruited in baseball conquering and overcoming adversity, and then just achieving mastery, which was just overall success tips, right? I didn't know what really to do. So I reached out to a couple of people, like 10 people. I got their advice and I wrote maybe four pages. This is in September of 2019. So I wrote four pages. And after that, I closed the document. I said, this is dumb and I'm not doing it ever again. I'm not writing a book. This is not working. So class goes on. He kept saying every day. Then fast forward into March. I quit baseball. What happened was COVID hit and I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like I was just doing, going through the motions and doing homework, playing Xbox with my friends at night. And that was it. Didn't really have anything to do with my life. And I was like, you know what? One night I got the motivation to write the book again. So I opened up that document that I closed in September and I honestly just went to work. I reached out to hundreds of people professional players, professional coaches, college players and college coaches, and nutritionists, strength conditioning coaches. It was just, I reached out to so many people over Twitter, email, Instagram DMs, everything you could think of. And I figured if I reach out to you know, over a hundred, I had to get a couple responses back. So I did. And then I would write every single day. And, and then sooner or later, I had one of my professors editing the book. And that was really the story of it. I, I just... That's kind of how it came about. And I thank Dr. Gilbert every day for it. So, It has been said you're motivated by the quote, people won't care what you think until they know you care about them. Why is that so important to you? And how would this apply to athletes you are working with? Yeah, so that quote, I, I think it's by Ken Revisa. It's also by, uh, I think, John Wooden. And it's just an amazing quote that I take into perspective when I'm coaching now. So it's really hard to give a player a program, a hitting program, a pitching program. It could be a sports psychology program, a mental performance program. And it's really hard to just give a player and say, hey, do this, do that, that's it, right? But if you're, if you're a player and, you're, and you have this coach who thinks they know a lot and they're just giving you a bunch of things and throwing you at you to do, you're not really going to do it because, one, I don't really know if you care about me. And I know it seems so, like, fundamental, but it really is because – if it, it helps build trust, right? You need to build trust as a coach. You need to build trust and rapport. I, I had a strength conditioning coach who just gave me all these workouts to do and not really one, giving reasoning behind it. And two, he was just there to take my money and not really care about my performance, not even just my performance, but also me as a person. And I think coach, good coaches do that. I think uh, good teachers do that. 
And I think good uh, performers have that same two-way relationship street with the coach. I think you guys, care needs to be, a, care and trust needs to be a, a, blo- a stepping block for a relationship. And I think that's really important for coaches. So you put together quite a collection of mental game resources in Google Drive. What prompted you to start that? And can you share some of your favorite items in that folder? Yeah. Uh, so what actually prompted me to start that folder was after the book was released and I was getting um, a lot of feedback from it, from all these people. I was like, you know what? I need to do more. I, I was, I had this fire lit under me when I was writing the book and I kind of lost that fire about a week after I released the book only because I wasn't writing anymore. I wasn't reaching out to people anymore and I wanted to just do more. So I, I honestly just had an idea with it and I was like, you know what, I'm going to put together these documents, these Google documents with my notes about the books I've read, podcasts I've listened to, anything about the field of mental performance and sports psychology for a couple of reasons I did it. One was to, it forced me to learn and learn about the field every single day. So that, that was a big bonus. And then number two was I got to network with a bunch of mental performance consultants and sports psychology practitioners because I was typing their notes. I was listening to everything they were doing and I wanted to share it with everyone in the field. My main audience is, is really baseball players because I played baseball and I just think it would help because the mental game is so important. So my favorite documents, I would say, that's a tough one. I have so many, I don't even know. I would just say that my visuals that I make are, are my favorite things in the document because I've worked on it really hard. So the graphics, I have a bunch of them. I, I take some notes from maybe Heads Up Baseball by Ken Revisa, and then I just make it into a, a very pleasing graphic. So it's just content to put out and people can understand it easily. So I think those kind of documents are my favorite to put into the folder and share. Conversations around the mental game are becoming more popular, but still so many players never talk about the mental game. Why do you think that is and how do we change that? I think the reason why the mental game isn't really talked about is because they don't really know about it. People say, I used to think the mental game was just hyping yourself up before a game, pregame and listening to hype up music and just getting in the zone and, and being locked in. But that's not really all that it is. And people forget that the mental game there's actually skills to it. And I just learned this too. So mental performance is strength conditioning for the mind. So you know how you have your physical drills when you're, when you want to get better at fielding, you do fielding drills. You want to get better at hitting, you do hitting drills. Same thing for mental performance in your mental game. You need to work on your imagery, your visualization, your relaxation, your breathing, your pre-pitch routines, your, your focal points, all of these things can be trained, but no one, I don't think anyone talks about it because no one knows the uh, specificities of it. So I think one thing we can do to bring more awareness to the mental game is I try to do with my Google Drive folder. But another thing is we need to show a lot more videos of professional players or Olympic athletes explaining the importance of the mental game. I think it gets lost because not a lot of kids, especially younger, they don't see the mental game as an important thing because all they see is the home runs, right? The, the bat the bat flips they see the world series rings but they don't see the work that goes in behind it they don't see the behind the scenes work with the mental game so i think hearing more perspectives of the mental game from many other avenues can really bring awareness to the mental game and training it for the youth so having spent time around a bunch of current and former big leaguers many have shared with me that at the top levels of the game from college and pro 
Most players are really talented, but what separates most who succeed is their mental game. What is it that those guys are doing differently? Yeah, that's a really great advice from those guys. And I would say I, I haven't had my fair share of hanging out with professional players or coaches, but I would say the, predict, the strongest predictor of their success is consistency. A lot of people overcomplicate the intensity of a workout or the intensity of blank, but people forget that consistency over time equals success, right? So if you do something over a period of time, over time, it's going to get better. That's, it's very simple, but people forget that. Like when people go on diets, they'll do it for a hot one to two months. Oh, wow, I had just went on a diet. I feel great. But if you had a diet for 12 months, it's a lifestyle, number one. And number two is now it's not a diet. Um, now my body's changed. It's even better than it was before. So I think that is the strongest predictor when it comes to those people who were very successful is their consistency within their routines, their work ethic, their discipline, all of the above with those things. Consistency of it all is the make or break. So how would you train the mental game in the offseason? Wow. Um, so the mental game should be trained not just in the offseason, but also in season. There's no program that you have to follow. Simple things that you could do to work on it is breathing, focusing on your breath. A couple of things I like to share is the, the four, seven, eight breath. And I do this before I go to sleep every night. So again, consistency. So you inhale through your nose for four seconds. You hold that breath in your diaphragm in the bottom of your stomach for seven seconds, and then you exhale for eight seconds. And you, on that exhale, it's coming out your mouth, and you're really feeling that kind of that stress just go away. Another thing you could do is visualization and imagery, right? You could, there's, there's a lot of good examples that you could do there. So it shouldn't just be worked on in the off season, but you should be working on it every day as, as if you would for a throwing program or for a hitting program and you want to get your velocity up on a hit tracks. All of these things matter, not just in the off season, but in the end season. So one of the things that you can start doing in, in practices, whether it's in the off season or the end season is the goal is to meet the competitive demands that you would in a game into a practice. So I'll give you an example. So say you're a pitcher, right? And you're throwing a bullpen. I see a lot of guys and I'm, I'm a victim of it is when you throw a bullpen, they throw 25 to 40 pitches straight in a row without any rest, without stopping, without taking a step off the mound, you, just 25 to 40 pitches right in a bullpen. But when in a game do you ever throw 25 to 40 pitches in a game? When you're struggling, when you're doing bad, when there's errors happening, when you're walking guys, when you're getting hit, that's when you throw 25 to 40 pitches in a game. Ideally is you want to throw 12 to 18 pitches, right? In an inning, hopefully less than 10. Like that's an ideal. That's a goal. But if you're throwing 25 to 40 in a bullpen, why are, you, why are you training like that? When you really should be doing is pitching 12 to 18 pitches. Take a two-minute break because you're going into the dugout, right? Take a two-minute break, sit down, drink some water. Then after like five minutes, get up, throw another 12 to 18. If you're a starter, throw more, do that cycle three, four, five times. If you're a reliever, then that's when you could up the uh, pitch count and then also step down on, on the time of the time you're sitting down. And another example I can give is when you're fielding, right? So I'm not a fan of infield outfield. I know I get the whole purpose of infield outfield. I get the whole purpose of the intimidation factor infield outfield has, 
and, and I know the whole thing with coaching, like coaching. I know it. I've been through it. And I like IO. I like hitting IO. But when you're doing IO, you're telling the, the, the fielder where the ball is going. The infielder and the outfielders know where the ball is going. Okay, we're going to third, and they're going to throw to first. When in a game does a fielder know where, when they're getting the ball and what the situation is? So I like to play a game 27 outs. I don't know if you're familiar with 27 outs, but for those who don't know what it is, it's when you tell a situation, you tell a scenario to your fielders, and you hit it to a random, random fielder. You give them a situation, you hit it to a random fielder, and you tell them the outs, how many men are on base, and if they make a mental error or a physical error, you go back to zero outs, right? So say man on, you, you can do that until they, you can do that until they have 27 outs in a row without making an error, without making a mistake. And, and that is one mental toughness technique that not a lot of people do. Another one with the bullpen, right, is say you want to practice being in a high-pressure environment. You want to pitch in a big game, in a big championship game, a big district game, a World Series, right? How do you practice that kind of environment? Well, you can't obviously match all the fans and the, all the cameras and stuff like that. But what you can do is have a guy go on the mound take his deep breath, get on the mound, get ready to throw a bullpen or throw to a batter, right? Get the guy ready to throw to a batter and have the team, the other teammates yelling at him, booing at him, telling him all these things, saying, yelling and getting all in his face. Because that's what happened in a World Series. The other team is rooting against you. You have family, friends yelling and screaming, going nuts. And as a pitcher, you have to learn how to calm, be poised and attack the strike zone. So that's another thing that you could do in a, to practice being in a high-pressure environment. I've had that last one done to me before. Yeah? Yeah, that was, that was not fun. It was, it was my pitching coach and a college player that also – like he's, he works at the college, so it's yeah. one of his players, and I know the player, and they just – it's, it's tough. Like it's not easy, but that's that, – those type of environments – you can't do all the time, but those type of environments – uh, need to be set because, again, it meets the competitive demand of a certain game, a certain scenario. And you can't do that often when you're training and you're just doing reps and reps. You're just putting in the reps. Even when you're doing BP, people just take BP, swing, 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 swing. But when in a game do you ever just swing, 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 swing? No, take a ball, you know, step out of the box, do your pre-pitch routine, like unstrap your batting gloves, spit in the batter's box, do something out of the ordinary and something that meets a competitive demand in practice. If you don't do it in practice, it's not going to show up in the game as well. So if you could go back in time to your middle school or high school years, what would you do differently? I would, well, I would do the mental game. I would try to implement all of the mental strategies that I'm learning now and implement that into my game, 100%. And I wish I, wish I knew the stuff I knew now back then. because, And that's what I'm trying to do now with my with coaching is that's my goal, right? I want to share with the kids I coach all of the information and all of the tactics that I didn't when I was playing. When you stop playing and, and your career is over, you get a lot of what if I did this? What if I knew that? Questions in your head. I'm definitely experiencing those. So I would just tell myself to work on the mental game, keep working harder, and understand that consistency is a key to success. So where can people find about more about you? More about me, I'm very active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Perry Quartuccio, Instagram, uh, underscore 
at underscore Perry Portuccio. If you want to reach out, I'm always available to just to talk to. I have a website, reachinghomeplate.com. Again, email is perry.core at gmail.com. I'm very accessible and I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk baseball. I'll talk mental game. I'll talk college sports. I'll talk anything. So that's how you can find me. Perry, thank you so much for playing ball. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it, man. Hey, it's Sam here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show, the algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.